Welcome back to Maine Education Matters, the show that looks at all of the upcoming bills, policies, etc. coming out of the state of Maine legislation, Augusta, the Legislature, Education and Cultural Affairs Committee, Maine Department of Education, you know, all those places. Thank you so very much for joining us today. My name is Matt Drewett Card, and I am your intrepid stalwart host during these times of the 131st legislature. Thank you again for listening and for joining us and for, you know, keeping us afloat. Uh, this is our seventh season doing this, and it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of work, but it's also a lot of fun just kind of keeping tabs on what is happening in the state of Maine. And today, what we are going to do is we're going to be previewing the two public hearings coming up in the first full week of February for February 7th and February 9th. These are two days that are chock full of interesting bills that will be heard. This is the, this is a this is a fun time because the uh, the Education Cultural Affairs Committee is ramping up. They are moving forward with a lot of the their goals and you start really seeing not only the the of course the bills that are that are being presented but you start to really see the priorities of the committee the parties etc and you kind of start seeing where where their minds are and this is a really good uh kind of a good barometer measurement check for what's coming in terms of voting and in terms of enactment so let's get into it Let's start off with the February the 7th public hearing date. Of course, you can listen to all these things live on the day that they're happening Happening on. You go to the legislature.main.gov website, find the committee page, and there's a nice little link right there. You can listen to it on, on right there live. During the pandemic, they used to allow for like live streaming on YouTube, etc., uh, and I'm waiting to really waiting to see how this is going to look this particular year. They are allowing testimony to happen virtually, so if you're, you know, up in Millinocket or Kittery or Caribou or somewhere like that, and you can't make it to Augusta to provide in-person testimony, they are allowing for virtual testimony to take place. I do also believe that they are going to be doing the in-person testimony first to kind of give that level of priority to encourage people to come and provide testimony in person. Of course, if this was a state, you know, like Rhode Island and its size, it might not be a big of a deal, but, you know, driving from Presque Isle down to Augusta to provide public testimony might not be actually feasible for many. So allowing this virtual opportunity, virtual opportunities to for people to have their voices heard and be part of our representative republic and political process i'm i i if we have the technology to do it let's use it let's use it to our advantage as much as we can so how i'm going to do this today is i'm going to go through the two days of public hearings first february 7th then february 9th and the way that i'm going to do it is i'm going to list it in order of the way that the lds are numbered it may not be the way in the order in which they are heard on that particular day but i'm just going to go by by that so Forgive me if, if it's out of whack for how you're preparing to listen to the public hearings. Um, if, if, if I were to do, I, I, that would mean I'd have to like go and actually like do work and find how they're being ordered. And I just, uh, I'm, I'm tired. I'm, I'm tired. So tired. Okay. 
first of all, on the on the on the the maybe if I could talk a little bit, that'd be helpful. On the February seventh public hearing is LD sixty four. An act to ensure in-state tuition for post-secondary students who are registered to vote in the state. This first day, February 7th, is really all about post-secondary. It's a lot about access and costs for accessing community college and the University of Maine system. So this first one, LD64, presented by Representative Rudnicki out of Fairfield, says very simply, adds a line to section 10,016, excuse me, 10016. In-state tuition for registered voters. A student who is registered to vote in this state is eligible for in-state tuition rates at any post-secondary institution in this state that offers an in-state tuition rate. Okay, so if, you re if you're registered in the state, you get in-state tuition. So I think that's great not only for allowing students to or encouraging students to get registered registered in the state for voting purposes but also hey it, it, it knocks off some really significant tuition rates to allow more access to post-secondary opportunities and knocking down the barriers to get these things done is incredibly important and i appreciate that they're they're at least going to talk about it they're at least going to work on it next in on that day is ld173 an act regarding the responsibility for technology instruction marketing costs by the Maine Community College System. Presented by Representative Campbell of Orrington and co-sponsored by Representative Boyles of Gorham and several other representatives and senators and including the President Jackson of Aroostook. This bill provides that the Maine Community College System budget must include a line category for system administration that includes but is not limited to funding of technology instruction marketing costs, which may not be included in or paid from the budget of any individual college. So it must include a line category for system administration that includes but is not limited to funding of technology instruction marketing costs. Okay. Again, funding of stuff. And for those of you who know me at all, when it gets to things like funding discussions, I tend to uh, uh, pass out. So if there's a unnatural pause in this podcast at any time, it's probably most likely due to the fact that we are discussing finances and budget and um, allocations and appropriations and all that kind of stuff. And then you just hear like maybe something, maybe hear me collapsing. There'll be an unnecessary pause for a few seconds. That's just me collecting myself again and getting back up and getting back into it because... Once we hit the record button, we just go. We don't stop it. It's just kind of the thing that happens, and whatever we catch on the microphone comes on the microphone. All right. Finally that day on February the 7th is LD-174, an act to return the name of the Maine Community College System to the Maine Technical College, presented by Representative Campbell out of Orrington, co-sponsored by Senator Lyford of Penobscot and a whole bunch of other uh, representatives, including Speaker Talbot Ross of Portland and President Jackson of Aroostook. So this bill requires the transition of the Maine Community College System into the Maine Technical College System. It's all about changing the names and duties and responsibilities all, all stay the same. 
It's like all members of the board of trustees of the main community college system shall serve as members of the board of trustees of the main technical college system. It's it's just it's changing the entire name. Um, I gotta be honest. I I don't know why. I don't understand the reasoning. I don't understand the rationale for changing this name. What what is what is the need that's being met here? What is the problem that's being fixed by this legislation is this just legislation for the sake of legislation or is this actually meeting a real need and a, and a problem i don't know so how to find out about that is to read the testimony when it is submitted for the public hearing listen to the public hearing and uh, when it comes to time for the work session we will come back to this bill and you know review a lot of that information but i'm looking forward to hearing more about what what's really going on here because i just I don't understand the why. I understand the what, but I don't get the why. And that's February 7th. Three bills having to do with the University of Maine system or the community college system and powers and marketing costs and tuition rates, etc. Okay, so, so if we're looking at overall themes so far, we can see that access and cost of college, tuition costs and access, access to college in, or post-secondary education, that's a priority. Okay. Awesome. Now let's go to February 9th. And February 9th, they are hearing six bills on that particular day. And again, I am going to I am going to simply go down the list in order of the LD number from of course the lowest number to the highest. This will not be how likely how they will listen and hear them on that day, but here's what we have. We have couple that have to do with funding, but also it's it, it's a bit all over the place. So let's just start off. LD33. An act to expand access to, to career and technical education opportunities for middle school students. This is submitted by the DOE and presented by Senator Rafferty of York and co-sponsored by Representative Woodson of Waterboro. What this bill does is it allows for the expansion of the allocation of money to career and technical education centers for CTE exploration programs for middle school students. If you're not aware, CTE exploration or CTE programs are pretty much are, are regulated to high school. And depending on where you are in the state, it could be you might be able to access CTE at the ninth grade. You might only be able to access the CTE programming at 11th grade depending on where you are. And so this is opening up CTE access for middle level students. This is, in my opinion, wicked exciting. Um, and I say that because it is finally opening up legislatively, statutorily opportunities that you know, a lot of districts are trying to do. They're trying to get more opportunities for kids and trying to get focus on engagement and how so many students don't just interact with or experience, you know, school in the way that we might traditionally think of school. And so this is allowing for them to experience it a different way. And I'm super excited to statutorily say, hey, let's break down some barriers, break down some walls so that schools can really focus on doing whatever it is that they need to do in order to engage and improve engagement and connection to our schools and to education and to teaching and learning. 
awesome. Uh, and I'm really interested to hear about, you know, places where this has been piloted, places where this has been working, challenges that they're going to be facing, um, how, you know, why this bill is necessary and what this bill is going to potentially open up. Uh, very exciting. Um, love it. The next bill on the list is LD79, an act to ensure a high quality education for students with disabilities by clarifying the definition of state agency client and who provides special education programs and services. This is again submitted by the DOE and presented by Representative Crafts out of Newcastle. There's a lot to this bill. What I think this is one of those bills that I really like because there's several pages of new information, of new lines and things like that, and new new text and everything. But the summary is one sentence. The bill clarifies the definition of a state agency client for purposes of special education and clarifies who is entitled to establish or obligated to provide special education programs and related services. So for example, one of the things it'll add is it'll say, uh, you know, where it might have previously only said something like enforce if the, the school administrative unit uh, may with uh, for enforcement, for example, if the SAU fails to comply, if the unit fails to comply with the commissioner's order, the commissioner may withhold financial aid from the school administrative unit until it complies with the commissioner's order, et cetera. That's what it used to say. What this is... What this is changing the language to is if the SAU, the Intermediate Educational Unit, public school, or other public entity against which a, compli a complaint has been filed under subsection 1 fails to comply with an order issued by the commissioner, then the commissioner may withhold financial aid from the school administrative unit, intermediate educational unit, public school, or other public entity, etc. This is super important because... It's adding language like or public school. So it's not just an SAU, it's a public school. So if there's an individual public school out there, or shall I say, school that receives public funding, then they are be held responsible as the state agency client. I am looking directly at you, of those uh, academies and 50% schools that you know are not fully public but are also not fully private this will also i would imagine impact charter schools magnet schools magnet schools etc so those who might not be under the umbrella of an sau where the language used to say sau now it says sau intermediate educational unit public school or other public entity so it there's other there's other language in there too but what i found most interesting about this bill is it's specifically laying out who is responsible so basically if you are a public school and receive public funds for the public school you fall under the umbrella of state agency client for the purposes of special education and who's who, who's not just who and who is entitled to establish or obligated to provide special education programs and related services. That's enormous. So I'm looking forward to hearing the debate and the discussion on that one. The next is a is a is a bill that I'm 
very interested in to see where it goes because it's one of those that I I personally tend to like lean forward and agree with in theory and in practice and in, and in principle and idea but then how do you do it in actual implementation in our state so LD number 156 an act to require outdoor recess time for students from grades 6 to grade 8 presented by representative Craven of Lewiston and co-sponsored by several other representatives Summary, this bill requires every SAU to provide for all students from grade 6 to grade 8 at least 20 minutes of outdoor recess, which includes unstructured physical activity, leisure, and recreation time, no fewer than three days a week. If there is no opportunity for outdoor recess due to inclement weather or for some other reason, a school SAU must arrange alternative alternate accommodations to provide for recess. Physical activity, leisure, unstructured time, recreational time is super important for kids. It's important for adults too, don't get me wrong. It's important for everybody. And this is saying that we have to provide at least 20 minutes. And school, a lot of these schools are already doing this. So this could be a situation where the bill is just catching up to already current existing practice. And there's a lot of best practice that supports this bill of why we should be doing this. What I find fascinating about moments like this is, okay, the best practice says we should be doing this, but to what extent should we be legislating this? Does this need to be in the law, and to what extent does this then remove that level of autonomy and independence and local control out of the, out of the independent SAUs and districts? That's where... That's where things for me get really interesting in the conversation. And it's always a tension. Every session, this is a major tension of how much do we legislate? So that's that one. I'm looking forward to hearing that one as well. Also, on the 9th, we have LD 232, an act to amend the laws governing bonding restrictions for SAUs. Okay, I'm back. I just passed out for a minute. Um, apologize for that. I'm not really sure how long I was out for. Hopefully, didn't hear anything bad. I hopefully didn't say anything. But uh, presented by Representative Roberts of South Berwick, co-sponsored by Senator Rafferty of York. The bill extends the allowed term of bonds issued by S school administrative districts and regional school units from 25 to 30 years. So I, uh, 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 I have absolutely no comment on this because uh, so yeah there you go it's just changing the bonds it's there's some language to, but it's changing it from 25 to 30 years huzzah okay moving on to the second to the penultimate bill on our list here for today is ld number 253 an act add health and physical education requirements to high school diploma standards Presented by Senator Daughtry of Cumberland and co-sponsored by Senator Rafferty of York. Now, this is one that I looked at when I saw the bill titles and was very interested in it because my thought was like, well, we have requirements in this high school diploma standards. What's going on here as a, as a person who's really fascinated, interested with school curriculum, etc. Here's what this bill does. The summary is is not so helpful. The summary says this bill adds a requirement for health and physical education to the standards for receiving a high school diploma. Okay, there, there, there is that. 
already. So it doesn't say it in the exact list, but it has it in a different spot. So what this does is it adds, after where it says fine arts, it adds section F, health and physical education, two years or the equivalent in standards achievement. That's where things are going to get interesting. Two years or the equivalent in standards achievement. Now, as a reminder, where it says the equivalent in standards achievement, that was the compromise, the language compromise, that was put in as a result of those districts who had moved towards a proficiency-based and standards-based um, system of learning when they wanted to, when the Education Cultural Affairs Committee moved away, recommending from moved away from the proficiency-based diploma law, etc. So it says two years are the equivalent. Now, my question for this is going to be um, how many districts out there require two years of health and physical education? From and, and, and if that this is the requirement, great that's going to have a significant impact on other electives that students are able to take and scheduling for districts, which if that's what we have to do, that's all fine and dandy. What I also have a question of is many of many schools, many curriculum, they split out health and physical education. PE is one class, health is a different class. Health might be only for one semester, PE might be for a full year. There are two semesters worth of et cetera. And those are the requirements. Does this mean that the health and physical education combined is two years? So could that mean that one semester of health and three semesters of physical education? Or is it two of health and two of physical education? Since it says health and physical education, I would assume that they are both. What if the classes are in a school are integrated, are interdisciplinary in that way? And usually they do it in one particular school year. Do they have to do an additional year now? This is where the stand, equivalent and standards achievement becomes really important. And where I hope so many districts kind of just lean into because it's so much more clear that the students are achieving the standards and, and demonstrating competency, proficiency, mastery, whatever language you want to use there in the standards versus... Yeah, they did it for two years and then they're done. So, I am very curious to see how this one plays out and the testimony and what were the thoughts going forward in terms of from the, the sponsors of this? What are they thinking and, and, and what does this mean by two years? What does it actually look like? Like science, including one year of laboratory study or fine arts, one year or the equivalent in standards achievement that's great now why is health and physical education two years and fine arts is only one then that's going to be a discussion are they going to start integrating into this this other new line are they going to build in the world languages as well and are they going to move that from one year to two years which are all right or from from two years whatever year is right now whatever standards achievement whatever whatever they're going to put in there are they going to start moving that around? And because the 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 ripple effect will have will be significant when it comes to school scheduling, which 
I'm I'm not opposed to. It's not not that at all. It's that what's the ripple effect and how is it really going to look? All right. The final bill on the 9th of February to be heard, or at least one, one not necessarily the final and last, the one in my list, is LD257, an act to provide for a later starting time for high schools, presented by Senator Daughtry of Cumberland and co-sponsored by several other representatives. This bill requires that beginning with the 2024-25 school year, each school administrative unit ensure that its secondary schools start days secondary schools school days start wow that's an interest that, that is a that is a word sentence right there let me start at it again because you know reading is fundamental and i don't believe in fundamentals the bill requires that beginning with the 2024-2025 school year each school administrative unit ensure that its secondary schools school days start no earlier than 8.30 a.m. All high schools, all secondary schools, I should say, excuse me, all secondary schools would begin no earlier than 8.30 a.m. That's a huge change. That's enormous. Now, a lot of schools already begin at 8 or 8.30, or maybe, maybe earlier, maybe a little later, but then there are a lot of districts that would have to do a lot of scheduling changes for buses and transportation and things. I I personally am not opposed to this idea. There's a lot of evidence, science, that says, you know, secondary schools should be starting later than they already are. They shouldn't be starting at 7.30 in the morning. And a lot of younger kids are up earlier, so maybe they can go earlier. But there's, you know, of course, reasons for this. Mostly has to do with sports and things like that after schools. That's So that's some of the stuff I'm going to be listening for in the public hearings is what are the reasons... The people are opposed to this. I think one of the strongest arguments is, again, the local control argument. The don't dictate how we do school. Let us do school how we need, how we see fit in our district. And then the other side would be like, yes, we do. But if you're not following best practices, then we need to step in and make sure that you are. Yeah, but still. Which, by the way, if you're ever in a, wondering about uh, how to win any argument, that's how to do it. You just say, yeah, but still. Yeah, but still wins every argument. Because there's nowhere, you, nowhere to go. You win. You didn't win by logic. You didn't win by reasoning. You didn't win by presenting a solid string of evidence in support of your claim. Yeah, but still. Hashtag winning. And that's the end. That's it. That is that is the February 9th public hearing. That's a busy day. Six bills on that day, and there are going to be some that there will definitely be some significant conversations on. I don't know how long this public hearing is going to last, but again, you can find it and listen to it um, on the Education Cultural Affairs Committee page. Just go to legislature.main.gov, find the committees, education, cultural affairs. There's a big speaker, and you can listen to it live there. They do also, they record it, so if you miss it, you can listen to it back. Also, at every bill page that they have, or every page for every bill, there will be links to the testimony, to the written testimony that gets submitted. 
how they're going to do the uh you know you virtual verbal rec- uh testimony i don't know if they're going to make those available i don't know i this is we're all in, we're kind of in a new ish world where we're back from the lands of everything remote to well let's pretend the remote stuff never happened while also being like yeah but we have the technology to do it why aren't we doing this and we kind of should could no that's very unpopular let's just go back to the way things were because that worked for everyone for so very long hashtag sarcasm but that's it for us on this particular preview episode of the public hearings for February 7th and February 9th. Uh, if you are interested in following along, not just here, but want to actually read the bills and follow along and see where they are in committee, I would strongly recommend following along on our spreadsheet that we keep up to date. It's tagged in our social media profiles. It's probably linked in the show notes for this particular episode. Check that out because it's an incredibly powerful and and good resource that gives you all the information you need to know at a quick glance of all the bills before the Education Cultural Affairs Committee uh, when they're having the public hearings, when they're having the work sessions, and then from there where their votes are. And then once it gets to the legislature, it gets a little bit harder to keep track of things, but we do our best. We have a crack team here. You know, we got about like we got thirty people just on this this one particular task. This is a, this is the, if you didn't know, this podcast is a behemoth. This is, you know, this, those NPR NPR podcasts like This American Life or Wait Wait Don't Tell Me. They got nothing on us because we, we we're just we're just a monster. So we've got 30 people just working on that spreadsheet alone. And we appreciate that because that's, that's almost twice as many. The, almost twice as many as people who actually listen to this podcast. Thank you, again, thank you again to our faithful 17 listeners. Uh, so follow along on the spreadsheet. I, I got kind of derailed there. That happens. Especially when I was talking to myself. Follow along on the spreadsheet. Follow along there. Um, if... You want to get in touch with me. You want to say, hey, can we have a check? Can you dive into this bill a little deeper? Or can you have someone come on to talk about it, Bill? Or if you have any feedback for me at all, please just give me a holler. Best place to do it is on Twitter. I'm not on that as much as I used to be, but I still check it regularly. Uh, it's at Drewet Card. You can also follow me, follow us, and connect with us as a podcast on Twitter at Main Ed Matters. Facebook.com slash Facebook.com slash Main Education Matters is also our Facebook page. We do have a website out there, but again, that's that's that hasn't been updated in a while because our crack team is solely focused on the spreadsheet. It's they they're they're very myopic in that way, and so I tell them to go ahead and to do better and to diversify the needs to make the podcast a, a better place, and we get into a long you know, long staff meetings about these kind of things. And it winds up, um, every time we have this conversation, they wind up saying to me, yeah, but still. 
And then I walk out because I got nothing else to do. So I got, I got nothing else to say. So that's it for us today. Thank you again so very much for listening to us here on Maine Education Matters. We'll be back soon with another update of the public hearings uh, that have happened, looking ahead at work sessions, reviewing testimony, and continuing on this work of what's happening with the 131st legislative session. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. We love you. Thanks so much. Bye-bye.